Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Much of the way that many people are feeling today as a result of the pandemic is very similar to what it felt like uh, when my wife and I picked up our lives and moved to Eastern Europe as missionaries. This is the first time that we'd been outside of America. We were young. And, uh, and so when we landed on the ground in Bulgaria, former communist nation, I began to understand what it meant to feel a spirit of oppression. And what that was is years of Turkish oppression. We're talking about hundreds of years of the Ottoman Empire, what they had done to the nation of Bulgaria. Uh, some horrendous history that happened there, uh, and too much history to go into this morning. But for hundreds of years, the Bulgarians lived under the brutal reign of the Ottoman Empire. In the last century, of course, the Soviet Union uh, brought this, the communism to all of those Eastern European nations. And when we were there in 2005 there was still a strong remnant of what I would call a spirit of oppression. And even though the nation of Bulgaria had now uh, had a new government, and to this day has a new government, they have democratic elections, they have, you know, they have a certain amount of freedom, they can travel, and yet what was amazing to me is that even though they had uh, they had freedom, they had ability to choose for themselves a government. What was amazing is when we were there, they were still electing communist leaders. They elected, they, there was a communist party still active and well in, uh, in Bulgaria. And in a, in a free election, uh, the people would go to the voting booth and they would choose, yes, we still want the communists in charge. And as I began to figure this out and try to understand what, what we... What we literally felt on a day-to-day basis was a spirit of oppression. This came, as I mentioned, from years of, of uh, difficulty and pain and, uh, and hunger, bread lines. These kinds of things have an effect. And what I, what I, for the first time I connected it last week, I said, the same feeling that we felt in that Eastern European former Soviet nation, I am feeling some of those very same things today as a result of this global pandemic. I want to speak to you a few moments about fear. Fear, I believe, is one of the most devastating emotions and spirits that we can allow in our lives. The greatest threat to our homes, our family, to our world today is not COVID-19. The greatest threat is not nuclear catastrophe 
or global climate change, the greatest threat to your existence and mine is the spirit of fear. And I'm going to share with you some information about this this morning, but I want to read the scripture, Matthew chapter 8, beginning with verse 23. Familiar story of Jesus and the disciples out on the sea of Galilee. And in verse 23, it says these words. Now, when he got into a boat, his disciples followed him. Suddenly, a great tempest arose on the sea, a storm, so that the boat was covered with waves. But he, Jesus, he was asleep. His disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us! We are perishing! He said to them the words that I want to ask you this morning. Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And so the men marveled, saying, Who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? Let's pray for just a moment. Lord, we come by the blood of Jesus. We come, God, to reclaim the spirit of confidence and courage in the knowledge of who you are this morning. Lord, let us realize today that we are not alone in this boat of difficulty. God, let us realize this morning the incredible power that you have to change our situation in our world today. I'm praying, God, let us not succumb or be intimidated or paralyzed by the spirit of fear today. I'm praying, God, that you would empower and equip your people in Jesus' mighty name. God's people would say, amen. I picked up this, uh, this article uh, of a recent um, uh, study that was done by some scientists, and it was an incredible study on, uh, uh, it was or- orchestrated some time ago by the World Health Organization, and it was a study on the examination of the physical and mental ramifications of the three biggest nuclear disasters in history. Chernobyl, Three Mile Island, and Nagasaki, and Hiroshima. And what they found was something incredible. These are the three greatest nuclear disasters in recent history. And what they found was amazing. They said uh, the health of those who were in the radius of those nuclear disasters, the greatest threat to their health was not the cancer that resulted as a result of radiation. It was, in fact, the fear of developing cancerous tumors. Think about this for just a moment. The fear of getting sick was worse than the actual sickness. According to John Boyce Jr., a cancer epidemiologist, nuclear radiation only slightly increases your risk of getting cancer. It's about one-tenth of the risk of smoking cigarettes. I'm not uh, suggesting that you go find a some plutonium to to hold on to at night. But what they found was that fear affects of radiation much more than the fear of the effects of smoking. What they found, something interesting here, 99% of the cancers caused at Chernobyl were treatable because they were afraid to learn of their cancer. Many people waited until it was too late. In other words, the nuclear radiation didn't kill them. The fear of being infected actually did. 
To understand this, beloved, I have to tell you about the amazing truth of the human psyche, the human ability. There is, in the medical industry and in pharmacology, something known as a placebo. Have you ever heard of the placebo? Uh, my rabbi was just talking yesterday, uh, Rabbi Daniel Lappin, amazing truth. And uh, the, the fact that placebos have a real impact on human health. So let me just explain that to you quickly. In a test study group, what they can do is they, they bring some people together. Uh, he was speaking about how uh, he, there was a study group of people that had shoulder, elbow, and arm pain. And they brought in uh, uh, about 1,000 people into the study group. And they said, we're going to give you a pill. We're going to give half of you a pill. And we're going to give half of you acupuncture treatment to see which one is more effective. And so uh, they said the, the, um, the treatment is, is fine. The acupuncture is very healthy. But there may be some side effects. And he said that the side effects of the acupuncture in your arms will be that uh, there could be some redness, some swelling, and some minor skin irritations. So this, this was the whole setup. What was interesting, though, is that this whole study was a study on placebos. So that the pills that they gave them were nothing but sugar pills. And the acupuncture that they were giving them was nothing more than fake needles. In other words, the skin was never punctured. It was one of those retractable needles. And what was amazing about the study was that, uh, that after some time, a few weeks of these treatments, the people who were getting the acupuncture on their arms, they reported that the side effects were too much for them to bear. In other words, that their skin literally began getting irritated. They're, 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 they, they began swelling up. They began having redness and irritation, not because that they were actually receiving acupuncture, but because in their mind, they believed what the doctors told them, that there are going to be side effects. And they said, please, stop the acupuncture. We want to use the different treatment because the side effects are too much for us. This reveals something about humanity. This reveals something about our health, that there is something truly supernatural about us. We are more than just grown-up uh, and evolved apes. There is something spiritually true at work here, that when the doctor says, here's a pill that's going to help you, you believe the doctor and you take the pill and it actually helps you even though it's nothing but an empty capsule. What is that? That is the truth that we are spiritual creatures. And what that proves to us this morning is that it is very important, your and my spiritual condition. If we are living in fear, it is going to play out in our lives. And this is why I am concerned in the year, in the, in the last year that we are living. How many know that fear has been rolling out on a daily basis? The media loves to make you afraid. You know why? Because the more they put the reports, the daily reports, the numbers climbing, the, you know, the, uh, the, 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 the strange one-off stories about people who, uh, who, who caught the virus and who have died, and, and these are the things, and, and it causes people... You know what? The media loves it because it keeps our eyeballs on the screen. 
Now, we might not have experienced a, a nuclear explosion, but our lives are still filled with fear-inducing situations. Am I alone? We live in fear about being laid off. We live in fear about the economy, about war zones in the Middle East, downturns in the housing market. We worry about, oh, here's one that, that, that the media loves to, to stir us up about climate change. How dare you? Breakouts of war. We hear about uh, uh, people crossing the border. We, we become fearful about, and listen, the, the more media that you give yourself to, I predict the more fearful you will be. This is a great time to be fearful. But here's what I want to tell you about fear. Number one, fear is nothing more than the big bully on the block. How many of you know what it's like to be bullied? Maybe you can remember when you were a kid, there was a big bully, and he wanted to steal your lunch money. He doesn't allow any... uh, He wants to take control of the situation. And do you know why the bully always wants to have control? Because he is the biggest crybaby of all. Let me ask you something this morning. Can you be fearful and happy at the same time? You can. Can you be fearful and full of faith at the same time? No, you can't. Can you at the same time be fearful and confident in the Lord Jesus Christ? Can you be fearful and still have joy? I'm not saying that we shouldn't be careful. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be prepared. But at the same time, we cannot allow the bully of fear to control our lives. Can you say amen? Listen to a quote from a prolific Christian author, Max Lucado, who said, Fear never wrote a symphony or a poem. Fear never negotiated a peace treaty or cured a disease. Fear never pulled a family out of poverty or a country out of bigotry. Fear never saved a marriage or a business. Only courage can do that. Only faith can do that. People who refuse to consult or cower to their timidities did that. But fear? Fear herds us into a prison of unlocked doors. Can you imagine what your life would be like if you could remove all of your uncertain fears? What a powerful day that would be. Could you imagine what your life would be like if you were free from the fear of rejection? How many wonderful relationships that you could build and friendships with people if you would be free from that fear? If you were free of the fear of failure or the fear of disaster, or the fear of infection, how much different your life could be. And this is exactly what the story in this scripture challenges us to do. When he says these amazing words in verse 26, he said to them, why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Now, that would be very hard for you to process if you were actually there that day because they did have a lot to be afraid of, right? In the Jewish mind and in the ancient mind, in the ancient world, there was nothing more fearful than a storm out on open water. These are fishermen. 
These are men who knew what it was like to see people go off to the sea and watch the storm arise, and those fishermen would never come home. They would know what it's like to see the pain of families who had lost loved ones to a storm out on the sea. You know, they didn't have aircraft carriers in the first century. They had little rickety wooden boats. We get the idea that this was some kind of cruise ship. This was not a cruise ship. That boat that they were on was probably half the size of this stage. Twelve men and Jesus in one boat. And a storm was so, uh, was so beating against them and causing wind and waves. And probably in their mind is flashing the names and the faces of people that they had seen go off to sea and never return home. They had a reason to be fearful. They had a reason to be concerned, didn't they? And just like you, many, many of us, we come into church on a Sunday morning and the pastor says, why are you so fearful? And we say, pastor, I've got lots of reasons to be fearful. And truly, there are many dangers in our world today. We have a pandemic that we're still dealing with. We have financial difficulties. We have family problems. We have, we have a crisis on every hand. But to that situation, in the middle of the sea, Jesus asks this question, why are you so fearful? O you of little faith. Let's unpack this for just a moment. When Matthew wrote this, he came to the place where he wanted to describe this storm that this little fishing boat passed through. And the words that he chose was more than just a rain shower, a downpour, the word in Greek that he used to describe the storm was the word seismos. And that is the same word where we get seismology, the study of the ground shaking. This is a ground shaking tectonic earthquake of a storm. This word only used in two other places when Matthew 27, when Christ died on the cross and the ground began to shake. And then in Matthew 28, when Jesus was resurrected and the graves were trampled and opened up. That's a seismic shift of the ground. So that same word is used to describe this storm that they're facing. It is seismic. It is causing great movements of the sea underneath them. Not only that, it was sudden. You know, sometimes you can prepare for a storm. You can see it coming on the horizon. I can remember... Uh, living in, in Phoenix, Arizona, sometimes we would have these strange desert storms that would approach quickly. They're called haboobs, strange name. But what it does is it's, it's, a, it's a sudden thunderstorm. It's a rush, and you have this wall of dust that's 20,000 feet tall, and it can wash over the city in a matter of uh, less than an hour. It's a sudden storm. No time to prepare for it. In other words, they had launched off in the boat. Everything looked fine. But once they got out there, suddenly there's a seismic shift. The other problem of this story is that it describes Jesus as being, what? Asleep. Remember, this is not a huge boat. It's not like there's a, there's a deck with a bed underneath. This is a fishing boat. He's probably just laying out on, on one of the seats taking a nap. The disciples are screaming while Jesus is dreaming. The thunder roars and Jesus snores. 
And it's, it's, to them, it's amazing. It's, it's incredible. How could this be happening? Lord, don't you understand? Please, we're dying here. Why are you taking a nap? In fact, that's quite literally what they said. Verse 25, the disciples came to him and awoke him saying, Lord, save us. We are perishing. In Mark, same story. They asked, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Can I tell you, this is the result of fear in your life. Your fear has the ability to change your theology. Did they not already believe that Jesus was the Son of God? Did they not already believe that He is able to work signs and miracles and wonders? And yet, here they are in the middle of their storm. The only thing they can think of is, Jesus, you don't care about us. And you can't do anything to help us. This is what fear can do in your life. Fear can cause us to do, can cause us to become control freaks. Are there any control freaks in the house this morning? There's a few. Got to have everything under control. Got to have everything under your eye. Got to have everything in order or else you're going to freak out. Do something, Jesus. Can't you see? I don't see the answer. We're about to die. And this really ticked them off. You better fix this, Jesus, or, or else. What fear truly is, when you dig a little bit, fear is the perceived loss of control. Can I just take a moment to remind all of you control freaks, you're not in control. You might have had an illusion that you had things under control, but truly it is an illusion. Which day did you wake up that you were guaranteed that you would fall asleep the same day? You're not in control. And when we feel that, sometimes... Fear is what causes us to understand that we're not in control. There was a man named uh, Martin Nimoller, a German pastor, who took a heroic stand against Adolf Hitler when he first met the dictator in 1933. This pastor, Pastor Martin, stood at the back of the room and he listened to him speak. Later, when his wife asked him what he learned, he said, I discovered that Herr Hitler is a terribly frightened man. What fear can do is release a tyrant inside of us. If we're not careful, fear can control us, can cause us to lose our minds. Not only that, but fear can cause us to forget. These disciples, of course, they had already seen plenty of miracles. Just the the few chapters before, Matthew 4, verse 23, Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Could they not remember what Jesus was capable of? No, because they were gripped by fear. What about you this morning? Have you allowed your fear to control you? To overwhelm you? It's not to say that there are not true and real dangers around us? Of course there are. There always will be. But what I see happening in our culture right now is I see people 
who are allowing fear to dictate the decisions of their life. So, is it any wonder that the Bible records at least 365 times, one for every day of the year, the words, fear not? In the Gospel accounts alone, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, out of 125 imperatives from the mouth of Jesus, 21 times, or one-fifth, one-sixth, Jesus urges us to not be afraid, to not fear, to have courage, take heart, or be of good cheer. This is the second most common command in the New Testament. In other words, Jesus is serious about our fears. He understands how gripping and how powerful they can be in our lives. But I want to remind you of his words today. Don't be afraid. Matthew 10, 31. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than sparrows. Matthew 9, 2. Take courage, son. Your, sons, your sins are forgiven. Matthew 6, 25. Don't worry about your life, whether you have enough. Luke 8, 50. Don't be afraid. Just believe, and your daughter will be made well. Matthew 14, 27. It's all right. I am here. Don't be afraid. Matthew 10, 28. Don't, feel, don't fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Luke 12, 32, Do not fear, little flock. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. John 14, 1, Don't be troubled. Trust in God. Now, trust in me. John 14, 27, Don't be troubled or afraid. Luke 24, 30, Should I keep going? Why? Should you be frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Matthew 24, 6, You will hear wars and rumors of wars. But see to it that you are not alarmed. Matthew 17, 8. Jesus touched them and said, Arise, do not be afraid. How many times do you have to hear it? And in our scripture, Jesus asked them this powerful question. Why are you fearful of you of little faith? And as Jesus asks this question, he actually answers it at the same time, doesn't he? The reason why the disciples were so fearful is not because of the dangers that were obvious around them. The reason was because they had lost their faith. And this is actually good news this morning. Because the truth is that you and I are able to beat the bully of fear simply by trusting in our Lord and Savior. Faith. It comes down to faith. Faith is what flies in the face of fear. Faith is what defeats the enemy. We sing that song this morning. Every giant will fall. It's a powerful reminder of that story as Goliath the Philistine is he's standing before the army of Israel. And the Bible says for 40 days morning and evening he would come out and he would rattle his sword, and he would say, send me a man, and he would curse God. And all of his noise that he made, he never swung a sword, he never did any battle, he never shed any blood, all he had to do was shout. And that's all it took for an entire army to shake in fear, to quiver for 40 days. 
No one dared to stand against him. This is the church. That when the world begins to shout, oh, you've got no, you've got nothing. What difference can you make? You're not, you're not doing anything great for God. This is the voice of the enemy, right? What do you think you can do for God? Don't you remember who you used to be? And because of that, our fears rise up and that bully of fear can paralyze the people of God until one young boy had the temerity, had the audacity to challenge a giant. You see, all it takes is faith. What David had that the entire army and Saul and all of his uh, warriors, what they didn't have, they didn't have trust in God. And David saw the situation. He's, a, he's the pizza delivery boy bringing some lunch to his brothers on the front lines. And he sees what's happening. He sees Goliath out there shouting with his big giant breath. He says, you're going to let this guy taunt the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? You're going to let him spout off blasphemies like that? Forget about it. You know what? I was defending my sheep against a lion and against a bear, and God gave me the strength over them. Who does this Goliath think he is? I'll fight him. And that's exactly what he did. Why? Because he trusted in God. Do you think David was afraid? For sure, there's probably some, some, uh, some hesitation inside, but he doesn't let his fear overwhelm him. His faith in God is bigger than the storm that is in front of him. Can we remember this morning that Jesus is still in the boat with us? Can we remember that when we trust in Him, there's no reason to fear anything? The person who fears in God doesn't have to fear anything else. But the person who fears anything besides God has a lot to be afraid of. The fear of God, the fear of what happens if I, if I don't serve Him, this is what causes us to be fearless in the world. Jesus is in the boat, and I trust in Him that I don't have to fear the storm. I close with one last illustration from the Word of God. You remember another story from the Sea of Galilee. The Bible says the disciples are out there on the boat, and Jesus was walking on the sea. Remember that story, right? He's out there just for a stroll. And what's interesting is the Bible said that Jesus would have passed them by. Hey, fellas, how you doing? Have a good one. Take it easy. And Peter sees Jesus, and they're all afraid. They think he's a ghost. And, G and Peter says, Lord, if it's you, then tell me to come. Tell me to come. Jesus said, come on. Come on, Peter. Let's see it. And that's exactly what he does. And Peter, for all of his faults and all of his failures, he's the only one, the only human being who's not Jesus who stepped out of the boat. And as long as Peter keeps his eyes on Jesus, he is doing what no other man has ever done before. He's walking on the water. But what happened? His eyes diverted. He began to see the storm around him, the waves, the wind. 
the problems, the pain, the difficulty, he took his eyes off of Jesus, he began sinking. And this is what we do. When fears overwhelm us, we take our eyes off of Jesus and we begin to sink. Yesterday, when I went to Walgreens to pick up some of those uh, church flyer invitations, the, the teller, young man, uh, behind the counter, he, he couldn't have been more than 18 or 19 years old. And as we were finishing the transaction, I said, all right, man, thanks a lot. We'll see you later. And he said these words to me. He said, be safe out there. Have you heard that? It's a new thing. Be safe out there. And what I was thinking was, yeah, I'm going to try to be safe. I'm not going to be reckless. But when did it become, when, when did safety become the highest priority of a whole generation? When did safety become the biggest, the, 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 the farewell that we say to somebody? I believe that our love of safety is driven from a cultural fear that has infected us. And I want to encourage you this morning to think about this question. Why are you fearful, O you, of little faith? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. The world is full of danger, true. Difficulty and pain, and there's giants all around. That has never changed. The giants that we're facing today, yes, they're different from giants of the past. The storms that we are living through today, different from storms in the past. But what has changed is our attitude. What has changed is our willingness to succumb to the spirit of fear and oppression. I want to challenge this church today, challenge every believer here. The reason you're called a believer is because we are called to believe God. Believe His Word. Believe what He says is true. Believe that when He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, that that is true, that He is still with us. Believe that He will not forget about us in our suffering, in our difficulty. We must believe that He is still in control of all things. There's nothing outside of His purview. COVID-19 didn't surprise the Lord Jesus Christ. But He's got it in His hands this morning. And there are people here today that you've been suffering. You've been, you've been, uh, you've been paralyzed by a spirit of oppression and fear. You've allowed it to affect your life. You've allowed it to affect relationships. You've allowed it to affect your behavior. And when we're getting this from the media, we're getting this from the world around us, we're getting this, we've got to be aware of it. We've got to begin to say, you know what? I'm not going to let fear bully me and push me around. I'm going to let God be my Savior. Before we close this service, I wonder if you've come to the service today and the truth is you're not right with God. You're living in sin. You're in rebellion to a holy and a righteous God. You don't have the fear of God in you and that makes you afraid of everything. I want to ask you this morning, are you ready? When will you stop running from God and when will you trust in Him with all of your heart? There's someone here this morning, you're not right with God, but you want to be. The Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. 
You need to be redeemed. You need to be cleansed. You need to be set free before you leave this place. If that's you, I want to pray for you. Would you lift up your hand right now so I can see it? Unsaved or perhaps backslidden in your heart. I see children lifting their hands. Is there anyone else? Quickly, this morning, as God's speaking to you, God's convicting you of sin, and it's time to come home. Like that prodigal son, you've been running from God. You've been running from His grace and His mercy. You've been running from truth. And today, the Holy Spirit has caught you. Is there someone here? Quickly, God's dealing with you. And you want to surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that anyone anyone else? Quickly here this morning. You lift up your hand so I can see it. Anyone else? Quickly, quickly, right now. Thank you. Thank you for the honest hearts. Let me speak to believers right now. The spirit of fear can be crippling, paralyzing, can cause us to shut down, can cause us to change our theology, can cause us to believe that Jesus no longer cares. And in this time of global pandemic, in this time where there's danger and fear, the church has had to process this. I want to challenge you this morning. Don't let the bully of fear have any more control over your life. It's time to trust in the Lord Jesus once again, the same Jesus, who arose from, the, from, the, from that boat. He called out one single word, and the storm was over. In the middle of the storm, we've got to trust in Jesus. And what I want to do this morning, I would like to ask you to stand up to your feet. We're going to stand together. We're going to open up this altar for prayer. If God's dealing with you right now, this is a place we can come and put our trust back in the one who can set us free. God's dealing with you. Would you come? We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vvph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vvph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.